You're listening to the Cornerstone Word of Life Church podcast. We hope you enjoyed this teaching from Pastor Rhonda. For more information on our church, please visit cwol.org. I spent five Wednesday nights over the last few months encouraging you to find out what God made you to be. Then accept it, embrace it, and get about it. I tell you, uh, I'm very aware every time I take the pulpit that I'm not just up here to give you a sermon. I'm here to give you a message from heaven. We try really hard to always get uh, and deliver to you what is foremost on the heart of God. And because I've spent five weeks over the last several months trying to convince you to dig in and figure out who you are and get about it, get after it, encourage you that God's got something special for you to do, I can tell you most assuredly, you fulfilling your destiny and getting in your place is on the heart of God. It is. He wants it more than you want it. Why? Why is it so much on the heart of God for you to get in your place and run your race and fulfill your destiny? Because these are the last days. Let's go to 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1. The time is short, church. The time is short. We've never been in a time that was more short than this. We're closer now than we've ever been to the return of our Savior. We're closer now than we've ever been to hearing that trump of God. Glory to God. Woo! For him appearing on the clouds of glory and that trumpet ringing out. And we're going to go meet him. Glory to God. We need some rapture practice. I think we had some. We were jumping on uh, with that song uh, we sang on Sunday. Anyway, um, I want to jump higher than I've ever jumped before, whatever. I mean, Ted, can Ted still jump? I was impressed. I was actually thinking, wow, I don't know many people younger than him who can still jump that high. I was impressed, Ted. I really was. All right, let's go to 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1. No, I'm not calling you an old man. However, you do have two married children. <laughs> I'm only saying that I'm sure you've said goodbye to the 20s. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. Because I ain't calling nobody old because I'm older than you. I'm absolutely certain of it. So you're young, Ted. You're young. But I was impressed. I really was impressed. I was thinking, man, I could not do that for love nor money. Anyway. 2 Timothy 3.1. I keep confessing that. I never will be able to. Okay. 2 Timothy 3.1. Out of the King James, really, let's get to the scripture. This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. I think we could get just about everybody in this room to agree that we're in, a, in perilous times. Perilous meaning danger, that there's crazy stuff going on around everywhere we go. You know, um, I was talking to a student after the Stoneman Douglas shooting. 
and, um, you know, they were in Washington, D.C. and rallying with the cry of never again. How many of you know that is a wonderful cry in my estimation? May there never be another school shooting in Jesus' name. But I was talking to the student, and they said, you know, we are one of the first generations uh, post-Columbine to come of age. We're of the age now where we're going to start voting, and we have a political voice. And, and you know, us, and, and the this, this student was telling me, we understand the issues of gun control and, and, and the impact that this kind of violence has better than any generation that went before, because no other generation has practiced hiding in the cabinets, hiding in the closets in case a shooter should come into the classroom, trying to figure out the angles from the window in the door, where you can hide from the bullets that might be flying. From kindergarten and first grade, they practice those things. I never worried about that. The generation that went before me, they had nuclear drills, I guess, in case of a nuclear bomb get under your desk. Yeah. You ever think about that? Seriously. Anyway, it made us feel like, I'm sure it made them feel like they were doing something. That was, even that was a little bit before my time. But these are unprecedented times we're in. Never has there been such a spirit of terror unleashed, not only in our world, but in our nation. I mean, concerts are getting shot up. I'm, it's going to get better, I promise. It really is. Never fear, little flock. We're going someplace great, okay? <clears throat> but, but, you know, malls are getting shot up. Uh, schools are getting shot up. Churches are getting shot up. Workplaces are getting shot up. I mean, mass killings, uh, you know, are, are just uh, rampant in our nation. There is a spirit of terrorism that has come not just from the uh, terrorists, but a spirit of terrorism that people are yielding to that causes them to act out and behave in this way. Are you with me? But you know what? These are perilous times we've come into. But thank God for the leading of the Holy Spirit and the fact that he got us in a place where we could be taught how to listen to that still small voice on the inside of us that tells us where to be and when, where not to be and when. Glory to God. I don't know about you, but I'm grateful because in this age of random violence here and there, there's no way to predict where it's going to be. You just got to listen. You got to listen right here as to where to be at any given moment. I thank God that he got that teaching to me. I thank God for that inward witness that tells us where to be at all times. These are indeed perilous times we've come into. Let's look at our scripture again, 2 Timothy 3.1. This know also, that in the last days perilous times shall come. I think it's interesting that he said, this know. Now listen, if you and I are talking, and, and, and I say, know this, I mean what? Pay attention, because I'm about to say something you need to know. What I'm about to say is important, and it's important that you know it. Know this. That's what he said. He said, know this, 
According to Rick Renner, that word know there is the word geno. Yeah, sure. Genosco. G-I-N-O-S-K-O. It means knowledge. But Rick Renner said, in this verse, Paul used genosco in the present imperative tense, which means this message is something so critical that it must be known. It must be recognized. It must be acknowledged. And whatever the Holy Spirit is about to say is so important that hearing it is not optional. It must be known and understood. Now, he's telling us that he is warning us about what is coming at the end of the age in the last days. And it's imperative that we know it so we're not caught off guard. How many of you know God's not caught off guard by any of this? He knew it was coming. He knew it was coming. And he wanted us to know it was coming. And so he inspired the writer, Paul, to write to Timothy to know this, in the last days, perilous times are coming. Let's go to 2 Timothy 4.1. I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at the appearing of his kingdom. Preach the word. Paul was talking to Timothy, a pastor. He said, preach the word. Be instant, in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long-suffering and doctrine. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. But after their own lusts shall they heap to themselves teachers, having itching ears. And they shall turn away away their ears from the truth and shall be turned into fables. This scripture says that the time will come when men will not endure sound doctrine, but will want preachers to tell them only what they want to hear. How many of you know that's a whole lot of what's going on in our day? Some people in this day and age, they don't want to hear sound doctrine. They don't want to hear about the cross. They don't want to hear about the blood. They don't want to hear about us giving our own lives as a living sacrifice in his service. They just want to be told that they're okay just the way they are in their sin and that God is okay with their sin. And not only that, They twist the scriptures and even twist the person of Jesus Christ as revealed in the scripture to make him simply a caricature of who the Bible says he is. A caricature that in the name of love just okays people continuing to live in sin. Though we know he was not okay with it. In fact, he gave his life He gave his life to deliver people out of their sin, to rescue them so they wouldn't have to live there anymore. Now, don't misunderstand me. He does love sinners, but he loves them too much to leave them the way they are. Do you understand? He didn't die and give us grace so we can just go on sinning and not feel bad about it.
No, he shed his blood so we can be free from the ravages of sin and not continue to live in it. You know, I was talking to somebody recently. I don't even remember who I've talked to so many people. I don't know nothing about nothing. But I was talking to somebody, and I said, you know, uh, society may accept things, and society may say, you know, I'm throwing off your restraint, you know, Christendom. I don't have to live in any particular way. I can live however I want. And, and you know, society may be applauding that right now. Um, but reality is you can't get away from the death. The Bible says the wages of sin is death. It doesn't matter who approves of it. It doesn't negate the scripture. It doesn't negate the suffering that that living, uh, living in sin causes. Are you with me? Adultery, the sin of adultery may cause the death of a marriage. The sin of stealing from your employer may cause the death of your career. The sin of abusing your children may cause the death of their respect of you and love for you. But the wages of sin are always death. But people don't want to hear it anymore. They want to live any way they want. Matter of fact, just when I was sitting back here, uh, I flipped just for a second. I don't even know why I did to do the news thing on my phone. One of the top stories is, you know, a girl uh, at Cornell, I shouldn't have said which university, at an unnamed university. She was in a speech class, and they were supposed to dress according to whoever they would be addressing, the way they would dress when they were giving the speech. And so she gave her last speech in uh, cut-off blue jeans and a shirt. And when she got up there, the teacher said, would you dress like that to give this speech? You know, where, where would you give the speech, and would you dress like that? And the girl said, I most certainly would dress like that. And she said, I was so mad at that that she, she just gave her thesis she stripped down to her underclothes in front of the whole class and gave her thesis in her underwear. I'm thinking, what did that prove other than you can't take correction? Yeah, you had your moment of expression, and people may have applauded you standing there in your underwear. But I guarantee you some boss is going to look at you and say, you're not going to be able to take correction. Do you understand what I'm saying? You can shoot yourself in the foot trying to throw off restraint, trying to not have rules put upon you. Where am I? I don't even know. I'm not, I guarantee you underwear ain't nowhere in the notes, okay? <laughs> but it just made the point to me of the way society is right now. They don't want anyone, even God, telling them what to do or what they should do. So go on, you knucklehead. Live the way you want. Won't. That was real Southern. <laughs> go on, live the way you want. But it's not going to do away with the penalty. Just saying. He said in the scripture, know this, so that we wouldn't be caught off guard, but we would recognize what time we're in. 
1 Peter 4.12. It says, Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you, as though some strange thing happened unto you. But rejoice insomuch as you are partakers of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory shall be revealed, you may be glad also with exceeding great joy. He didn't want us to be caught off guard about the fiery trials that were coming our way. He didn't want us to be caught off guard about the time that we're coming into. And so he said, know this. In the last days, Perilous times are coming. Perilous times are coming. The word perilous, according to Strong's, is the Greek word kalepos. Kalepos. It means difficult, dangerous, by implication furious, fierce, or perilous. That word is only used two times in the New Testament. Once here in 2 Timothy 3, 1, the one we've been reading, uh, it, know this, that in the last days perilous times will come. And the other is, is Matthew 8, 28. So let's go to Matthew 8, 28. And when, the, and when he was come to the other side, Jesus, into the country of the Gergesenes, there met him two possessed with devils coming out of the tombs, exceeding fierce, so that no man might pass by that way. That word translated exceeding fierce is kalepos. It's our word. In the last days, there are coming times that will be exceedingly fierce, that'll be dangerous, that, that'll be a furious perilous, difficult. That word perilous, according to my Merriam-Webster online dictionary app, means exposure to the risk of being injured, destroyed, or lost. Danger in all capital letters. I know this isn't edifying, but hang on. These men with kalepos, just like it is now in the end times. They were just like it is now in the end times, furious, dangerous, fierce, so much so that nobody would pass by that way. The scripture says people would not pass by them. It was so dangerous. They were so fierce. It, they were so aggressive uh, and, and potentially had the risk of harming them. So nobody passed by that scripture says, but Jesus Oh, listen to me. Nobody but Jesus. Why? Because he knew who he was. He knew whose he was. He knew what authority he walked in. And therefore, he could walk right up to those men, address them, and set them free from the darkness that was threatening, the darkness that had overtaken that region. He eradicated the darkness because he knew who he was and he knew his authority. We'll read on, just so you know I'm not making that up. And when he was come to the other side into the country of the Gergesenes, there met him too, possessed with devils, coming out of the tombs exceeding fierce, so that no man might pass by that way. And behold, they cried out, saying, What have we to do with thee, Jesus, thou Son of God? Art thou come hither to torment us before the time? 
And there was a good way off from them, a herd of many swine feeding. So the devils besought him, saying, if thou cast us out, how many of you know they know they're going? Jesus wasn't scared. He walked right up to him. They recognized the anointing on him. They recognized who was behind him, and they knew they were leaving. So the devils besought him, saying, If thou cast us out, suffer us to go away into the herd of swine. And he said unto them, Go. And when they were come out, they went into the herd of swine, and behold, the whole herd of swine ran violently down a steep place into the sea and perished in the waters. And they that kept them fled and went their ways into the city and told everything and what was befallen to the possessed of the devils. Because Jesus knew who he was, He knew whose he was, and he knew his authority. He was able to stand up to those forces of darkness and prevail over them. What is my point? My point is this. These are perilous times that we have come into. It is true. But for the last 25 years, this church is celebrating its 25th anniversary this fall. For 25 years, we have been teaching you who you are in Christ Jesus. You are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You're a blood-bought son or daughter of the Most High God. You are not just powerless. You are victorious because he has ordained you to be victorious. The Bible says he always causes us to triumph in Christ Jesus. Winners and triumphers, that is who we are. For 25 years, we've been putting that into you. 25 years, we've been raising up an army who knows who they are. For 25 years, we've been raising up an army to know whose they are. We are his. We are sons and daughters of the Most High God. You're not weak and powerless in the face of the darkness that we see in this age. You are not weak and without power when darkness tries to invade your home and invade your children and invade our society and invade our our city. We are not powerless. We've spent 25 years teaching you your authority in Jesus Christ. That when you stand toe-to-toe with the forces of darkness, you're not standing there in your own power. But you got all of heaven backing you up. When you say, in the name of Jesus, and you mean it, and hell knows you mean it, I tell you, hell has a flashback to when Jesus made a show of the devil openly, triumphing over him right there in hell, right in front of all the demons of hell. Hell has a flashback when you use that name. It's in his name we stand. It's not that we're anything. It's that he's everything. Just like an officer. I came back a couple weeks ago. We were pulling out. 
And I watched a lady nearly take out our officer. Wasn't paying attention. He's standing out in the middle of the road with his hand up. Well, she finally saw him at the last minute, squealed to a stop. We drove off. I had to have Mark come back. I want to hug him. Just make sure he, because, you know, I'm a natural-born protector. And there was a 2,000-pound killing machine hurtling towards our officer. Shook me up so bad I made Mark come back just so I could tell him I was glad he was okay. But how many of you know when that officer stands there and he puts his hand up, he is no match for that 2,000-pound killing machine coming towards him. So why do they obey? A, he's got a gun on his hip. But B, standing behind him is the entire police force of Madison. Standing behind him are the entire forces of our city. Standing behind them are the forces of our state, our National Guard, uh, uh, our Alabama Department of Investigation. I have no idea what those people are called, but, uh, you know, Alabama Bureau of Investigation, all them, those DEA officers, I don't know who they are, but, you know, all them folk. Uh, And standing behind them are the forces of the United States of America, the Army, the Navy, the Air Force, the Marines, the Coast Guard, the bombs, the machine guns, the whole bunch. It's all standing back there, right? So when the officer puts his hand up, they're respecting not just his hand and his 200-pound body, probably less than that body, but they're respecting what he stands for. They're respecting who's behind him. They're respecting that delegated authority in which he stands. And it is the same with you. When you stand there in the name of Jesus, hell listens, not because you're anything, but because he's everything. Listen, we've had all kinds of craziness go on. Y'all think you know what's been going on with us and you know a fraction. We've had craziness going on. We were in Chile and several of the ministers that were there had demonic manifestations in their room during the conference. Uh, women ministers, the devil. I hate the devil. Anyway, uh, so one night uh, I woke up and Mark woke up and there was a malevolent force in our room. And it took us a second, you know, and then we both just took authority, commanded that thing to go, and, and you know, it had to leave. Well, the very next night, he was back. That time, I didn't even bother to wake Mark up. I said, are you here again? Two nights in a row? Seriously. I need some sleep. I said, you get out of this room now in Jesus' name, and don't you dare return. And I rolled over and went to sleep. I didn't even wait to see if he went because I knew he had to. And he knew he had to. Why? Not because I'm anything. I am nothing. I and myself am no match for the devil, for any demon, for any principality, for nothing. But I'm not standing there in my own strength. I'm standing there with the delegated authority of the king of heaven, the one who spoke and the universes became. Oh, 
Do you believe in the Big Bang Theory? You bet I do. God spoke it and bang, it became. The one who parted the Red Sea for the children of Israel. The one who casts out demons with the finger of God. It's in that name that I address that demon. Second time, it just annoyed me. Seriously. Two nights in a row. Get out. Well, good for you, Pastor Rhonda. No, if you're thinking that, you, you don't understand. You don't understand. It's not me, it's him. And you've got him just like I've got him. You're his just like I'm his. He's in you just like he's in me. He's behind you just like he was behind me. That scripture that he always causes us to triumph in Christ Jesus is for you, not just me. For 25 years we've prepared you, O army of God, for this season that we've come into. Thank God for the precious knowledge of his word that tells us how to be led by his spirit where to be, when to be. Thank God for the knowledge of his word that tells us who we are in Christ Jesus. You know, I was rehearsing to Judy Joe about my nephew and, you know, the fact that he was out of his body and on his way to heaven and three states away, I could give a command of faith and, and he heard me. It's, and if you don't know the story, I don't have time right now. But he said those words brought him back to the earth and put him back in his body. He was dead, and God brought him back. He taught me that. And I've endeavored over these years to teach you those things so that if the devil rears his ugly head during this time in your life, we do not run, we do not fear, we do not cower. I'm telling you, I shouldn't probably say all this. The devil wants us removed from our position. Let me tell you what that did for me. I said, it'll be a cold day in where the devil lives before I move now from this place. If the devil wants me out of here that bad, I know he's scared. Nanny, nanny, boo, boo. He's scared, and I'm glad he's scared. God himself would have to appear to me and tell me to leave. Otherwise, in 50 years when I'm done here, they can haul my carcass out of this building. And until then, I ain't moving. I ain't moving. No man called me to this place. Only the Most High. He's the only one who can say when this is done. We don't run when adversity comes. We don't fear when adversity comes. He's taught us how to win. 
He's taught you how to win. He has. We're not going to compromise our integrity. We're not going to play footsies with the devil. We're going to go forth in the power of his spirit with the word of God in our mouths and a song of praise on our tongue. And we will do great exploits with God during this time so fraught with danger and adversaries. Listen, it doesn't matter who's against you when you know that God is backing you up. It doesn't matter what adversity comes your way. He has made you a winner. You are ordained to win. If you'll do it his way, you'll win every time. No matter what the devil pops up his ugly head for. Revelation 12, 10. And I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now is come salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ. For the accuser of our, of our brethren is cast down, which accused them before our God day and night. And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. And they loved not their lives unto the death. How did they overcome the enemy? By the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. You need to get really good at the blood of using the blood of the Lamb and the word of your testimony. I work the blood all the time. Almost daily I plead the blood of Jesus over myself, over my mind, over my soul, over my body. I plead it over my husband, over his mind, over his soul, over his body. I plead it over our daughter, over our extended family. I plead it over you. We're covered by the blood. It's an impenetrable barrier against the onslaught of the enemy. Often I've gone and I've said that blood of Jesus Christ is against you. I drive you out. I drive you out of our lives. I drive you out. I call this attack done. The blood of Jesus Christ is against you. Get good at work in the blood. Scripture also says they overcame by the word of their testimony. What are you testifying to? What words are coming out of your mouth? Reverend Opal Cruz often says we overcome by the amount of word in our testimonies. You overcome in direct proportion to the amount of the word that's in your testimony. How much word is in there? What are you testifying to? Say what you believe. Say what the word of God says about you. Don't say necessarily what you think or what you feel, but what the word of God says is true about you. You know, the worship team used to do a song, uh, uh, and the bridge of it was just this repeating phrase, this is how we overcome. And the Lord gave me an ad lib that I do between those phrases. They'd sing, this is how we overcome. My ad, that would be, the word of God says we overcome by the blood of the lamb. 
This is how we overcome. The word of God says we overcome by the word of our testimony. This is how we overcome. We overcome because we give a shout of faith into the darkness. Glory to God. He didn't say the darkness wouldn't come. He didn't tell you the darkness wouldn't come. Matter of fact, he told you the darkness is coming. The darkness is here. But you know what? Right in the middle of the darkness, we give a shout of faith right into the darkness. When the Spirit of God was hovering over this earth and there was nothing but darkness and confusion and chaos, he spoke into that darkness what he wanted to be and it became. When there's darkness and confusion and chaos around you, you speak into that darkness what you want to be and it will become. Because you are a speaking spirit like your father before you. Like your father before you. You're part of a new family now. In this family, we win. I could, I hate a certain movie that's out right now that shall remain nameless in case some of you haven't seen it. Because there ain't no lose. Do you understand? There ain't no lose. And I realize they're telling me that ain't the end of the story, but I don't care. I ain't tolerating seeing losing. Because we don't lose. Lord never taught us how to lose. He never taught us how to quit. We win every time. If we haven't won, all that means is it's not done. It's not done until we've won. Because he always causes us to triumph in Christ Jesus. If it's not won, it's not done. So we keep playing. Oh, no, devil, you, you sit your backside right back down at this table. This thing ain't over. It's not over till I say it's over. It's not over till I win. It's not over till it ends in complete victory. It's not over till I rub your nose in it. And we're playing until I do. Well, Pastor Rhonda, that's awful sassy. Yeah, it is. Runs in my jeans. We figured that out, my siblings and I, yesterday. Do not fear the darkness. And I know that's easy for you think for me to say. I have looked potential destruction in the face. And the Lord had to help me. I'm telling you, he did but he did help me not to be afraid, not to fear. Instead, we give a shout of faith into the darkness. The last one is, this is how we overcome. We overcome because we hold fast to our profession of faith. We hold fast 
until it is the way God said it would be. And we don't give up until it's there. Do you understand? The Bible says by faith and patience, we inherit the promises of God. Sometimes our faith lasts only as long as our patience. No matter what it looks like, no matter what it feels like, we hold fast to our profession of faith until the circumstances change and we get exactly what we're believing for. I loved the first few moments of Russ's message the other night, and I pulled out two minutes of it for those of you who might not have been here. So this is two minutes out of the best five or ten minutes I've had in a long time. All right? Go ahead and play it, guys. Hallelujah. The battle has been fierce for some of you, the battle. Fierce, a fierce battle, but the smoke is clearing. The fog is clearing, and, and when you look around, you see they're, they're slain. They're slain, but oh, it's not the slain of you. It's the slain of the enemy. And as you look around, hallelujah, you see a lot of blood, but it's not your blood. It's the blood of Jesus. Hallelujah. Glory to God. It's Jesus' blood that protected you through the battle. It kept you safe, and now you're on the other side, and you lift up your visor, and you're on the mountaintop on the other side, and you're like, glory to God. I'm on the other side of this battle. My sword, your sword is dirty. You got blood all over you, but bless God, you're on the other side. You're on the victory side. You're not walking through this valley anymore. Hallelujah. This valley has been bypassed. Hallelujah. By the blood of Jesus. And you're on the other side. And you're looking down. And you're looking down. And I'm telling you, the glory of God is greater, will be greater now than ever before. There has been a fierce battle, and the enemy is batting his eyes like, I don't know what happened. I just don't know what happened, man. He got jack slapped, and his head got turned around. And boy, you got an overwhelming victory! And you raise that visor up. You know, oh, you know, I like those nights and they raise the visor up. And you're looking across the mountain on the other side, but it's the side of victory. You done pass through that. You mowed them down, baby. You mowed them down. <laughs> By the blood of the Lamb and the word of your testimony. Hallelujah. <laughs> Glory to God. As a fresh anointing, Pete and Travis, for you tonight. Fresh anointing. Hallelujah. The battle has been fierce for some of you. The battle. All right. Fierce. A fierce you battle. But the smoke is coming. Uh, we want to see it again, but not right this second. It's online. Go ahead now. Y'all just watch it and put that sucker on perpetual rewind. I know Pastor said he told you guys this at your men's meeting, but I don't, I hate bloods and I have no tolerance for violence. Blood, guts, and gore and you know, every now and then I'll walk in the room and he's got that dumb octagon thing on, you know. And the other day I walked in, them men were bloody and there was blood all over the floor. And I'm thinking, dear God, you know. I was like, honey, I, I, I don't like those kind of things. Which, you know, I guess that's good. I'm a girl. If I liked it, I guess it would be a problem. But uh, when, when Russ was talking about when you come through, all of a sudden you flip up your visor from the fierceness of the fight. Yeah. 
and your sword is dirty, and it's covered in blood, and you're covered in blood, but it is not your blood. It's the blood of Jesus Christ. It's the blood of Jesus Christ that was all over you, surrounding you, fighting for you as you mowed through those enemies, as you shoved them back with your sword of, of the Word of God and your shield of faith. You marched right through them. You plowed those little suckers under. And when you came over, when you came to yourself, you're on the other side. Looking back at everything God brought you through, covered still in the blood of Jesus Christ. Wow, that went off in me. I hate bloody stuff, but I like that bloody stuff. That's the kind of blood I want to be covered in. Not the, my blood, not the blood of a person, but the blood of Jesus Christ who just mowed down every one of my enemies and allowed me to trample them under my feet. Glory to God. Woo is right. This is our day. This is our hour. The world may be falling deeper and deeper into chaos and confusion and trouble and stress. And the world tries to press it upon us. But I'm here to remind you tonight that greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. And you have been brought to the kingdom for such a time as this. You have been prepared for such a time as this. I wanted to remind you tonight, you know his voice. You know who he is. You know whose you are. You know who you are. You know your authority. And don't you back down from the fight. It's not done until you've won. The world's going to get darker and darker. But we're going to go from victory to victory, to victory, to victory. And he's going to look at you, the devil is, like, like Russ said, he's been jack slapped. I'm not sure what that means, but I know it ain't good. He said jack slapped and his head turned backwards. I mean, that's hard if you're, you know, somebody hits you so hard, your head's falling backwards now. He's blinking and trying to figure out what just happened. The devil, if he's not already, is going to be so sorry. Isaiah 60, verse 1. Arise, shine. Church, arise. Church, arise. Church, arise. Arise, O army of God. For 25 years, we've been loading your arsenal. The time to arise is now. Arise, shine, shine, let him out. The glory of God is in there. Just like in those cracked pots that the children of Israel used. The fire was in there, but it was shut up in there, smoldering until they broke open the pots and the light comes streaming out. I'm telling you, the glory of God is in here. It's in your flesh. He lives on the inside of you. He has taken up residence in your cracked pot. 
Let him out. Let him shine. Arise, shine, for thy light is come. And the glory of the Lord is risen upon thee. Glory is manifested presence of God. The manifested presence of God is risen on you. People are going to see him. They're going to feel him. They're going to see the remnants because of your answered prayer. They're going to know there is a God that's still in heaven because they see him in you. They see him on you. They, they see the residue of his presence. And they see the activity and the victories he's wrought. Verse 2. For behold, darkness shall cover the earth. I'm sorry that it is, but it is. And gross darkness, gross darkness, the people. But the Lord shall arise upon you, and his glory shall be seen upon thee. Glory to God. The Lord shall arise upon you. And his glory, his manifested presence shall be seen upon you. Though the world is getting darker and darker. Glory to God. Uh, Father, I thank you for this army of God. I thank you, Lord, for the word that you've gotten us over the years. Father, I am so grateful for the revelation of being led by my spirit. I am so grateful for the revelation of whose I am. I am so grateful for the revelation of who I am. I am so grateful for the revelation of authority that you've given us. You've broken the bread of revelation to us. And we are so grateful. We are prepared for this hour. It is for this time that we've come to the kingdom. Father, show forth your glory. Show forth your glory through these, the members of your body, the members of your army. Father, yes, we see the world growing worse and worse, but we're not going to let that bother us. We're not going to let that affect us because we know, we know we've been made more than a conqueror through Christ Jesus. We know we always triumph in him and there is no defeat. Therefore, we will not fear. I thank you for your goodness. Thank you for teaching us. We're so grateful, Lord. And I thank you that in this day and in this hour, you do rise upon us. And I thank you for it in Jesus' name. We hope you're inspired by today's message. If you want to hear more from the Word of God, head over to cwol.org. Check us out on YouTube or any social platform under at Seawall Madison. We believe God is working within you, and we want you to know Him so you too can make Him known.